the boat is ready, you're checked out of the country that you're about ready to leave, and you can literally go anywhere that you want. I'm actually like not registered to any country right now. I don't have anybody stamping my passport telling me that I need to stay here or when I need to leave or anything. I'm, that's a lot of freedom. That's my favorite time. This is the Travel and Van Life podcast from Jits into the Sunset. We're Tanya and Adam, and this is the podcast where we talk all things travel, adventure, and road trips. Through our experience and with conversations with others who, like us, have chosen an alternative lifestyle. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Travel, Adventure and Road Trips podcast. I'm Adam. And I am Tanya. And together we make up Jits Into the Sunset, YouTubers, filmmakers, living in our camper van, named Jits. And with bellies full of pancakes. Pancakes, yeah, we're a bit early here. Actually, we're about a month early to Pancake Tuesday and it's Sunday, so... But that is but that is what we do. We like pancakes every now and then. And Tanya was like, oh, I think it's Pancake Tuesday soon. She made me look it up so we could talk about it as being like topical on the podcast. But we're a month <laughs> early. So <laughs> here we are. Well, top tip, completely off topic. But uh, our recipe is very simple. One part flour, two parts oat milk. Boom. There you go. There you go. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, and yeah, who knows? Maybe someone here is listening to this on Pancake Tuesday. So if you are. Brilliant. Send us a pancake emoji. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tanya, who are we speaking to today? Well, today we're continuing on the theme of life at sea, which I absolutely love because, you know, I have like a low key obsession with all things boat life. And this is a really special episode because we are interviewing no other than Brian and Karen from Sailing SV Delos. And if you don't know who they are, who are they? So they are YouTubers with a humongous community of over 800,000 subscribers. Uh, They make incredible films and they have been sailing nonstop on the same boat for 13 years, which Mm -hmm. is an incredible feat. And Brian is actually, because he started a little bit early and he picked up Karen along the way. But Brian... (laughs) He picked her up along the way. He's picked her up along the way. Well, we get into that. You understand what that means (laughs) later. Um, (laughs) um, In the conversation, you'll understand. Yeah, he has circumnavigated the whole planet on this boat. And it's amazing. Not too long ago, he actually crossed the invisible line off of the coast of Mexico where he started his journey. It's kind of a beautiful moment on their videos. And um, yeah, just what an incredible achievement. And you know what I love? The fact that this is the same exact boat that's taking them to 46 countries. They've had over 70 crew members on board over the years. They have traveled 77,000 nautical miles in this boat. And here's a fun fact. They've also managed to create 225,000 litres of fresh water from the sea. (laughs) That's amazing. With their machines that they have on board their boat. Yeah, so we cover a lot in this conversation and among others, we cover the best places that they've sailed, how they met and why they started to live on a boat, their mini onboard brewery, which is fascinating to me, (laughs) um, and how it works to take a boat off grid. Great, let's get into the conversation. Okay, but before we do, well, I just wanted to say... (laughs) Please, if you're listening and you enjoy or have ever enjoyed this podcast, give us a rating, give us a review. And we've been reading up recently on the best way to grow a podcast, because obviously we want to expand this podcast to as many people as we possibly can. And the best way, everybody says, is word of mouth. So please do us a massive favor 
And if you enjoy this podcast or any of our episodes, then go and tell a friend. It'd be it'd be really helpful. And uh, who knows, that friend might thank you as well as us thanking you, hopefully. <laughs> okay, so anyway, without further ado, here's our conversation with Brian, Karen, and their three-year-old daughter, Sierra, from SV Delos. Brian, Karen, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. We are so excited to have you. Whereabouts are you? Hey, thanks so much. We're, uh, we're excited to be here. We're currently in Mexico at the moment, a little yeah. place called uh, Puerto Penasco, which is uh, it's pretty close to the U.S. actually. It's like a four-hour drive south of Phoenix in Arizona. Um, and it's very cold here, surprisingly, for Mexico. It's like <laughs> yeah. Temperatures <laughs> oh, like really? in Celsius would be like eight degrees or something like that. So we're a little bundled up right now. Um, but it's good. We're happy to be here. Amazing. You've spent a lot of time in Mexico. And uh, Karen, when we were when we were chatting before we recorded the podcast, um, I let you know that I was actually born in Mexico. Um, my whole family is from Mexico. I was raised in Ireland. But um, I have such a soft spot for the Mexican culture, the food, los tacos, just the, the, the music <laughs> and everything. Easy. So I am very jealous. Yeah, we've been having a blast here and it's it's such an amazing country. And yeah, we've been eating a lot of tacos and drinking a lot of margaritas for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really excited to talk to boat lifers because I've spent a lot of time on boats, but only for work as a cameraman. So I've actually filmed a lot of sailing in my life. Um, that was my kind of my main career actually before kind of oh, wow. quitting that and becoming a full-time van lifer so i'd film a lot of like uh, match racing sailing i did some of the america's cup volvo ocean race stuff so i've i don't know i don't know how to sail but i spent a lot of time on boats <laughs> <laughs> wow that's so cool though yeah right on yeah it was it was really cool um so i think it's fitting for us to start with your backstory and Brian I think we'll start with you because you obviously delved into the world of full-time sailing before Karen and I just I'd love to know how you went from having a very traditional secure comfortable life very successful professional life uh, and then you decided to give that all up and move on to a pretty small boat as well to be fair full-time um, and kind of haven't looked back since. Why did you do it? What drove you to do that? Because it's not as it's something that a lot of people dream of, but then wouldn't necessarily follow through with. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm uh, an electrical engineer. That's my background, <clears throat> and I kind of took the traditional path that I think most Americans would kind of identify with, and that's you know you go to school, you work hard, you get a job, you get a mortgage, and then you know suddenly the next thirty some odd years pass you by, and then you look back and think like, well, you know what in the heck just happened there? And uh, you know I, I did have some success. I worked as like uh, a program manager uh, for Microsoft in the Windows team, and then me and some friends left and we started our own company. Uh, and that went well for a number of years. And then I just kind of had this, I don't know, this feeling, you know, I was, I, I remember distinctly one time 
uh, stuck in traffic on the way to the office. Uh, I was actually taking the bus um, because that was the only time that I had to myself. And that was the the time of my day that I really enjoyed was just mm-hmm. literally listening to music, staring out the window, no emails, no people asking me things, um, no customer requests, nothing like that. And I kind of thought to myself, hey, you know, if my bus ride to and from work is the most peaceful, favorite part of my day, then I need to change something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I had a small sailboat. I was not an experienced sailor. I had like a little day sailor, like a 22 foot boat. I kept at my apartment uh, and I just kind of became addicted to the idea of, of taking some time off and traveling. And I thought, well, if I can put two things together that I love, like sailing and traveling uh, and be able to live on a boat at the same time and go from country to country. And, you know, I, I felt for sure that uh, that 18 months would would be enough time to kind of take a sabbatical and then regroup, figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I was, you know, kind of approaching my mid 30s at this point. And then uh, I would come back all refreshed and know exactly what life was about. Uh, and uh, here we are. I guess it's been 12 years now. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, basically, I I told my partners in my business, like, hey, guys, I'm going to take some time off. You guys take the business, do whatever you want. Sold my car, sold my TV, sold my houses, emptied my garage, um, bought a sailboat and uh, sort of went out and made a left turn and sailed towards Mexico. It is very gutsy to do that. Um, and I always think that van life I can understand a bit more because, you know, most people can drive. Um, it's something that is a lot, and I've said this before on the podcast, it's a much lower bar of entry to become a full-time van lifer than it is to fully live on a boat. There are a lot more risks and a lot more new skills, I think, maybe that you have to learn. Were you were you much of a sailor before? Or did you just teach yourself? What how, how did you go from, you know, being someone who works in an office on computers to to having the skill set required to live on a boat full time. Yeah, because like you mentioned, you know, doing the 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 day sailing, but that is very different than doing those huge ocean crossings. I'm I'm I've no doubt that that takes a whole new set of skills. So, yeah, how how was that? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a great point. Yeah, I, I knew absolutely nothing, and so the first thing I did is I tried to find a boat that I knew would take care of me. So, you know, a very stable, very safe boat that was very kindly and could be sailed by a small crew because I knew it would just be two people most of the time. Mm-hmm. And then I actually joined a race team. So in Seattle, they have a, a, a big boat racing series. It's, you know, 30 to 70 foot sailboats. And uh, I met some guys at a marina. And uh, I ended up becoming really good friends with them. It was a crew of about uh, 10, 11 people on a uh, two different boats, a Santa Cruz 52 and a FAR 39. And that's where I think I really learned to sail because when you're racing, you kind of really learn how to push a boat to its limits, learn what's safe, what's not. Mm. Um, it, it was just an incredible experience. And I guess it would be like, if you want to learn to drive, then, you know, you go join a, you know, a, a I don't know if it's like a Formula F1 team or something like that to, to carry the analogy through, but it would be kind of like, okay, I don't know how to drive. I'm going to go join up with some people who really, really know their stuff and I'm just going to soak up knowledge from them. Just throw yourself into the deep end. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And it was terrifying. 
but it was amazing as well. That's incredible. And Karen, what about you? Because I know that you two met when um, you were in New Zealand. So Brian, you were in New Zealand and you met the future uh, mother of your of your child and, and, and future <laughs> yeah. wife. How, how was it when you first met? And I'm always really curious to find out what was it? It sounds really corny, I know. But what <laughs> was it that made you fall in love with each other? Well, I mean... For me, like I had never sailed before. I'd never really be, I didn't even really know that the lifestyle of like sailing around the world is like a thing. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, just like meeting Brian, like I was just immediately, because I love to travel, immediately intrigued of like, you know, you can actually take your home with you and like all your creature comforts and like all your stuff and you just like move your house from country to country like that's really crazy and brian you know the first night we met he kind of invited me or kind of he did invite me (laughs) uh to go like sailing for that weekend and he was like why don't to be fair it was a big party weekend and i invited her to come sailing for the weekend to an electronic music festival at a island on a winery so it was pretty hard to say nice yeah no to that yeah who would say no yeah yeah it was just crazy to think that you you know i love to be comfortable as well and i think it's maybe a little bit similar to van life like you don't have to you know live out of the backpack and like live in all these mm-hmm. strange mm-hmm. beds like you kind of have your little cocoon of safety in a way mm-hmm. and i think for me just you know that initial trip was just so mind-blowing and just the connection also to nature that you have when you stay on the boat, like you're mostly outside and you have to pay so much attention to the weather, to where you're going, to what's around you. And I used, I used to really love that. Uh, and I actually canceled my ticket home uh, and I extended it for another two weeks and I stayed in New Zealand with Brian and we sailed to this other island. Um, and I think that was when I was like, this this is this is really cool. I mean, I fell in love with Brian pretty fast too. <laughs> he was yeah, great. I was, was going to say you were answering the question there as why you fell in love with sailing and you were skipping <laughs> the Brian part. <laughs> no, no, it was amazing, and we just had such a blast. And we, I think, straight away, that first night was a roller coaster, but it, we were both just in such a similar mindset in so many ways and we just clicked so good and i think that was very very special and i pretty much knew straight away that this is the guy that i want to like yeah, we try just to had keep. like a similar <laughs> outlook on life it was like well what yeah. do you want to do i just want to like enjoy life and have as much fun as possible and i said oh that's what i want to do too yeah <laughs> Yeah, I guess that that that's exactly it, right? When you you meet another person who shares that that the, the same mindset and values and is in a similar point in their life, even if their their life experience or leading up until that point could be vastly different, as long as you're both looking for the same thing. So in your case, was travel and adventure, and also the, the man with a boat. Man with a boat. I was, I was the man yeah, with the van. Yeah, very similar. And yeah, exactly. And it's just wanting to also have the follow through I think is really important because kind of mirroring your your love story when I met 
Adam, as he mentioned, he was he was the man with the van, and I was, <laughs> you know, wanting to travel and you just you know get out there. And he shared the same dream, and it was he was going off traveling for for three months, and I thought you know we're we're not going to see each other again. But it, you know, as it turns out, we stayed in contact every single day, and I went over uh, and I flew over to to meet Adam in the van when he was in Croatia, and together we did a ten day road trip down to Montenegro. So even wow. getting to know what van life would be like, similar to you, like being like, wow, this this life on a boat, it's like the creature comforts, as you've said. And it's, you know, if you can love the tester, like the, the taste tester aspect of it and the, the tiny living situation and also the like the not so romantic bits of living on a boat and in a van, you know, everything is so compact and the bathroom and everything. If you can get over those things and all those things don't matter, especially when you compare it to the adventure that you can get, then you kind of know that you found your person. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, the fact that Tanya flew out, we'd met each other twice and she flew out to Croatia to meet me and my best friend in the van to just go mm-hmm. on a 10 day trip. I mean, that says a lot about a person to do that. And also, just a quick shout out to my friend who I was traveling with. He slept outside in the tent for those 10 days that Tanya was there. So. <laughs> Took one for the team, huh? He's a good friend. I like to say a lot of people get asked us about relationships on boats quite often. And I always like to use the analogy that it's kind of like a pressure cooker. And so if you put bad ingredients in, like it can turn out really terrible in a hurry but if you put something good in it's like a very kind of uh it's like just an environment that can yeah relationships form very fast on a boat i'll just say that because you're together 24 7 there's no secrets mm-hmm. and you're going to figure out pretty quickly if you can live with this person in close quarters or not yeah 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 you have to be a team on every level um, yeah for sure life becomes a project in the sense that you know your home is not just a home that does everything for you you've got to work towards looking after the home maintaining it navigating it making sure it's got resources and that's something that you have to do as a team all of a sudden which is not normal relationships don't necessarily have to deal with those kinds of things and then not to mention the other projects like you guys obviously with your youtube channel and same for us so you become very interconnected very quickly when you're living and traveling and full time and working in, in a s- small space. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I love that, though. I think it's something very beautiful about that. And like you said, you know, you're you're kind of testing yourself and your relationship like on a daily basis. And especially when things go really tough and when things aren't necessarily you know, when you really have to like push your limits and stuff. And I think it just bonds you together in a way that uh, it's it's very, very special. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that spending all of that quality time together, you you get to know each other and in a way that you wouldn't if you're living a quote unquote conventional life where whereby you're only seeing each other in the evenings and in the weekends and you lead very separate lives, which, you know, is obviously very healthy as well. But yeah, we we joke about it as well. When you live in a van or in a boat or anything like that, it the, the the time that you're in the relationship soon multiplies. Mm. Yeah. It's like dog years almost, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think I can hear Sierra in the background. Can you? laughing. I was like, like yeah, oh there God. she goes. That's, that's exactly our life is we'll be trying to do anything, like anything at all, like 
a podcast yeah. or film something for the videos and then this Sierra blah, just, and she's so good but she's only three years old and yeah. so she's having a minor she's having a right moment now. <laughs> sorry I hope it's not too distracting I mean that's our real life though no no, no not at all it's part of the reality isn't it it's and part Lisa, of it yeah. she's she's with grandma right now she's with Swedish more and more so yeah she's Aww. she's safe she's just unhappy <laughs> for some reason i think she probably want to come in here she wants to, she's gonna to want to come over yeah i think so invite her over <laughs> yeah yeah bring her over <laughs> hold on sierra <laughs> she's great though it's a lot of fun to to like see her develop on the boat and you know she sees so many amazing things like just the other month she put her head underwater for the first time uh and with goggles on so she could open her eyes and she realized that there was fish down there and she was swimming in the oh ocean and just the look on her face was mind-blowing. Oh my God. Hi, Sierra. Do you want to say hi? No. No. You don't want to say hi, oh. Sierra? Are you a little sad? Oh. Okay. Oh, Sierra, we stolen them. Yeah, we're... Mommy and Daddy are working right now. <laughs> Slight pause, sorry. We just want to quickly interrupt to say that if you're enjoying this podcast or find it valuable, then you can help support it by leaving us a rating or a review, or alternatively, by becoming a Patreon. At the moment, this podcast is not sponsored or supported by advertisements, so it is through the monthly support of our wonderful Patreons that we can continue. You can join our Patreon community at patreon.com forward slash jits into the sunset also linked in our show notes, and choose to pledge any amount, from as little as £1, euro or dollar a month. Every little helps. As well as supporting the podcast, you'll be given access to exclusive content such as behind the scenes, our latest updates and deleted scenes from our travel films. Okay, we're back. Okay, crisis averted. <laughs> well done, Mama. That's so good. Good work. Yeah, so, so the next question was going to be about um, how it is with a family. But before before we get onto that, I'd actually like to talk, go back to Karen. You were in New Zealand and this guy rocks up with his boat just telling you, telling everyone stories of, of him sailing across from America. That's right. <laughs> How did you, I guess you were in the middle of traveling at the time, but I just want to know a bit more about the moment where you decided, okay, I'm going to come on the next leg of the voyage. And you must have had some hesitations and like, or did you just go, absolutely no questions asked, let's just do it. And did you realize what you were getting into? Did you realize it was going to be something that you were going to be doing for the next years? Well, I was I was actually studying landscape architecture in Australia. Ah. So I was like halfway through my studies when I met Brian on this trip to New Zealand. And I'm I like to kind of like it was never a question that I wanted to not finish my studies. Like I still knew like, OK, I would love to go and join him, but like I will definitely finish my studies first. Mm -hmm. So we did like long distance for about a year oh, before yeah. you guys kind of sailed all the way to Australia and kind of met up with me there. But I was, you know, I was flying out as soon as I could. I flew out to Vanuatu and then I flew out to the Solomons. Fiji. Fiji. So like as soon as I had a few weeks off, I flew out to the boat and I did some passages and stuff. Mm -hmm. I think though for me, it was like I was having a lot of trust in Brian. 
Like I knew straight away that he was like a very capable man. Oh, thank you, <laughs> capable man. <laughs> no, but like you kind of, I felt like you knew what you were doing, and maybe that was naive of me, and maybe, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but I think I also knew so little about boats that I didn't really know what what was wrong or like what was going on or what could be dangerous and stuff. So mm. I think I was, to answer your question, I think I was slightly naive and also like just, I just liked Brian so much. I was like, we'll figure it out, and, you know? <laughs> if I ever, if, if I ever have another business card, I'm just going to put capable man on it now. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good tagline. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> but yeah, so I think for me, it was still like I did some shorter trips and stuff. Um, and I think, f you know, just like warming up. And then when I finished my studies, we were all pretty broke. So we went and worked for a couple of months and then we all met back up in New Zealand and kind of started. And I haven't really left the boat Australia. since then. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I mean, when I left with that 18 months, that was because that's how much money I had was 18 months of money to run the boat and to travel. And, you know, because there are quite a few expenses and maintenance and things. And so by the time I arrived in Australia where Karen was, uh, then I was like two years into my 18 month budget. Right. And so things were pretty, pretty sparse and I was yeah. kind of living on credit cards. And so actually took a year off, uh, uh, put the boat up in a, a dry dock, uh, in Bundaberg, Australia, and then moved down to Melbourne where, uh, Karen was going to university and started working, doing like remote, um, uh, I guess it was coding. I was writing code and doing project management stuff back for a company in the U S to make money to go sailing again. And that's, then we left after a year of that, then we left for Indonesia. And yeah. That was, that was kind of when the full-time sailing for Karen began. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And how did you find it when you, when you started, um, Karen, were you like, was it everything you expected? Was, was the, cause obviously doing shorter trips where there's an end date in mind is different to like, oh, this is it full-time now. Obviously very exciting, but was there also some nerves involved? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of a cautious person, I think, in general, and I, I never really seen myself as very adventurous. So I think it was I was definitely very unsure about a lot of things. <laughs> and even though I knew things, I still feel like, oh, my God, Brian. And he's like, you know this, like, just do it. You know I remember you asking, like, where should we go? I'm like, well, I don't know where we should go. We're going to Indonesia. Like, why don't you like you, know, you figure it out? And I was like, out. what can I figure it out? Like, like yeah. where do you start? Like, what, what do you, you want to do? do? And you want to go scuba diving? Let's find some places good for scuba diving. Yeah. You want to go surfing? We'll go someplace with good surf, you know? And if that was kind of mind blowing to me that like I can just and I kind of just started Googling Indonesia and I found this islands that looked crazy. And I was just like, where is this? I want to go here. And Brian is like, OK, figure out if it's possible. And I was like, OK, like, what should I look at? And it was just so much like freedom and planning in that. And I mean, we ended up going there diving for quite a while and it was Couple amazing. Months, yeah. yeah. And I think certain things probably surprised me um one thing that i know is like the food situation you know like i've always lived close to like a pretty decent supermarket wherever i've lived in the world like 
that have your staple things like tomatoes and eggs, you know? Avocados. Uh, yeah. But like, I think for me, when we were in those remote islands in Indonesia and we were pretty much like three weeks into the trip and we just ran out of like all fresh stuff and like we didn't have any eggs, we barely had any milk. And I was like, what do you do now? You're just like, well, you just go without it. Fish and, and I'm rice. like, for how long? And it's like, well, until we can find it again. <laughs> like, And that to me was kind of like, wow, I've never really had that ever in my life. Yeah. So that was kind of like a weird thing that I never really considered. And also like the, I think I'm pretty like for the passages, I know quite a few people are like bored or they, because you just, you just on this boat for like days on end and you don't really leave. And I just, I just love that though. I'm not a very like, I guess, I don't know, high maintenance. Like I can just sit and stare at the ocean for like days and be completely happy about that. <laughs> it's amazing to think of you just the freedom that it mm. gives you to just look, oh, there's Indonesia. Oh, what's this little island? Let's sail there. Because obviously with, with van life, you get a certain amount of that, but there's obviously the restrictions that you can only go where the roads can take you, whereas you've got another level of freedom. And I'm wondering if there are any places that stand out to you in your mind that you visited that you wouldn't have gone to if you didn't have a boat? I mean, I suppose a lot of the places you've gone to, you've gone to because of your boat, but there must be some, <laughs> like all you know, some that are really uh, specific that you, you you know that are really hard to ex- access or that you wouldn't even consider going um, any other way other than by boat. I mean, Chagos, you can't oh, get there. Oh, Chagos, for sure. That's the only, I mean, like... Philippines, that's... too. There's like 7,000 islands in the Philippines, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you get to see the Philippines in a, in a in a way that most backpackers wouldn't. Exactly. Yeah, and also I just think how I, I have this fascination with boat life and I've only spent some time, um, you know, maybe how long did we spend? Like a week on a oh, boat? Like a week on a boat in Croatia, so very yeah. unadventurous but fun. But fun <laughs> and and we we love it and I, I love the tiny living because it's what I'm used to and also before van life growing up I've only ever lived in tiny places or bedsits for example so um, I'm used to and I'm comfortable with small spaces but I loved also being able to look out the the, the window or the hatch if it's the technical term hatch yeah the hatch and it, and just seeing water and it's just a completely different different perspective and it's it's magic and what you were saying about being closer to the elements and really having to be aware of them that is also something that's really magical because again when you travel a lot or you're doing van life one of the the greatest things about it and often a lot of people will will cite is the fact that you are a lot more aware of the daylight the weather the condition etc but on a boat it's completely different because you are actually you know in um, you're at the mercy of the weather a lot of the time as well so it can work for you or against you and it it, it, it helps navigate you so I just think that that is incredibly fascinating yeah and, yeah. and honestly sometimes it can really suck yeah <laughs> it can just, that's just mm. it like it can be miserable it can be 
hot and raining and you can't open any of the hatches and then you're just like dying and you know we do have air conditioning but it takes fuel to run the generator to run the air conditioning because it takes so much power and so we really can't run that all the time and uh you know there was one anchorage we went to recently here in mexico where we just got eaten by bugs and you know it's just like we put the screens on but they were no cms and so they came through the screens and it's just these small things that you don't consider like bug infestations, hurricanes, like rainy days, bad weather, strong winds, the boats rolling around, mm. Sierra's crying, and then you're just like, <laughs> oh, I just want to go back somewhere where it's not moving. Live in a house. Like, live in a house for like a few days. And then, you know, on the other side of it, you have these amazing, beautiful days where it's sunny skies and the boat is as solid as if it were parked on land. And uh, you're swimming off the back and you're going to the beach and you're going on hikes and you're like, ah, okay, this is why we do this. Yeah. And I Um, think the good times definitely outweigh the bad ones. Otherwise, like you wouldn't do it. But I think also like it's not, I think definitely because it's testing your limits and your patience and your everything so much. I just don't think it's for everybody. And I've definitely... Or at least people who think it's like mostly you know, bikinis and margaritas all the time. It's absolutely not. (laughs) Not like that at all. And I think, I mean, this past season when we sailed up from Panama to here, I mean, we had how many hurricanes? Six hurricanes pass us. Wow. We had to run run for cover. One went right over us. And one where we had to sail for like two days to like get into a somewhat more protected place. And it was very stressful for me. And I actually kind of, had a little <laughs> minor meltdown where I was just like, oh my God, like I have to really watch myself because this can, this can actually really stress me out to a point where it becomes like not healthy. Um, and I think especially having Sierra on board, it changed a lot of things for us too, right? Because you're, you know, thinking about another person so much and you just want to keep her safe to a point where before we kind of did all kinds of weird things and just like <laughs> yeah, we're definitely more conservative yeah. now because sierra you know sierra goes wherever we go so she it's not really her choice where we go because she yeah she's too young to to express it now <laughs> and but then we're also responsible for this little life and you know okay yeah. so if i'm gonna if, if karen and i put ourselves in danger then that's our decision um but for sierra like she's you know she's a yeah. child and so yeah. we're we, we're, we're definitely a little bit more conservative now or a lot more conservative than when we first started. And I guess the other thing is now that it's mostly just the three of us on board that, you know, a lot of times Karen ends up doing the Sierra duty, which means that where we used to share the boat duties now, you know, a lot of times I have more sleepless nights, you know, for example, when the hurricane went over, uh, you know, Karen was comforting Sierra and, you know, I was on night watch looking at the radar, looking at the anchor alarm, making sure they weren't, you know, going to hit the shore or we're dragging that things were okay with the boat. Oh. And that takes a toll on you after a while, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that week, like we didn't sleep for five days. I we didn't, didn't get sleep one through full one. night's sleep for like five days. Yeah. And, was... and then you're like, what am I, what am I doing here? But yeah. then you have those, you know, you, you move spots and then 
we have these amazing times where you're just like, okay, this is why we're doing this. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's like it, it's it's the payoffs, right? But at the time when things are really challenging, you question everything. And like you said, now that you're responsible for another life that you love and that doesn't have a choice in the lifestyle that they're in, it, there's there's so much more to consider. And actually, this leads us on really nicely to a question that we have from Amanda from our community. I wanted to ask you both, has there ever been a time that you told yourself that you were going to quit, but you didn't? And what did you learn from that? Oh, I've never thought that I was going to quit. We've often said, let's take a break mm-hmm. and then we'll go back to Sweden for like a couple of months. And then after about two or three months, I, I get itchy again. And I think you feel the same way. Yeah. But quit? No, I don't think, I don't we've, think so. we've, we've had some really, really tough times though. Like yeah. some, like like that week when I was just like I just couldn't stop crying, and I was just to a point where I was like, "This is this is getting a little bit too much stress for me." But then, I've never really had a time where I was like, "I want to sell the boat." Like I don't think I've no, ever thought I've never that. felt that way either. I was always like, "Well." Let's let's regroup. Obviously, yeah. we're doing something silly or wrong or we're thinking about things the wrong way. And if we're not enjoying our time, then let's figure out why. And then let's mm-hmm. take, you know, let's move the boat somewhere where we know. Like sometimes we'll go to a marina, right? When we're feeling that way, we're like, oh, there's mm-hmm. a marina here. And when you go into a marina, it's like literally moving your house into a resort. And so you pull into the dock space. It's usually not that expensive. You get to use all the pools. You get to go to the marina restaurants and do all this stuff. And then it's like, you know, okay, so we're going to go on a, you know, two week holiday. And then we'll just sit there for two weeks in the calm, tied up to the dock power, we'll use as much internet uh, and electricity and take long, hot showers and all that good stuff. And then we're like, okay. Yeah, now we're recharged again, <laughs> in a way. And yeah. I think also like we've always, always said like, oh, what if you find that place where we're gonna like buy some property or like find a house where we can like live, but we just haven't found that yet. <laughs> Maybe we're not ready. <laughs> no, probably not. If we were ready, we'd probably find it. Yeah. And I mean, this season too, like we kind of, I had this idea that we would come up to the Sea of Cortez and that we would like stay here maybe for a couple of years. And before we went, we went home to Sweden for a couple of like three months, two months. Mm-hmm. We just um, got back like we just got two back, weeks ago. Yeah. And I kind of thought that we were staying in the Sea of Cortez for a bit. It's like, because it's close to the US, it's like Mexico, so it's kind of easy to fly out. Uh, and then we were like, should we stay here? And we just can't do it. <laughs> I was like, no, like the South Pacific is literally one 20 day sail away. And it's some of the most amazing islands and, you know, swimming and scuba diving and good wind for kiteboarding and sailing. And like, you want to go to the South Pacific? Yeah. And so now we're going I thought about it for a couple of days. <laughs> I was like, I need to think about this. You know, I need to weigh my options and like, okay, if we sail to the South Pacific, you know, it's a 20 day sail with a three year old. Like, can I mentally handle that? Um, and being f- super far away from family and yeah, stuff. Yeah, because now instead of a five hour flight, it's a 30 hour flight. Yeah. So to the US and to Sweden, it's like probably a four day no, I'd be from Sweden adventure. 30 hours. Yeah, 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 but yeah. So it's but but we just we just can't help ourselves. 
<laughs> and we just decided to, you know, of course we're going to sail across the South Pacific. I mean, it's just um, right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just right there. It's just, it's just literally right there. There's no continents in the way or anything. <laughs> There's a pattern I notice that I've noticed with the conversations we've had with people like you or who have done, who do full-time travel whether it's on a boat and a van or backpacking and it's very easy to talk about the challenges because you know there are challenges and you don't really speak about it to a lot of people because it can very easily sound like complaining <laughs> but it's not and, and challenges are of course natural because when it becomes your life it's no longer a holiday and you take everything good and bad about life and put it in this different situation of like full-time travel but it's it's easy to talk about the challenges, but of course there are so many highlights and so many positives, which is why mm. people do it. It's why we keep doing it. It's why we keep full time travelling. You'll take a break, but then sooner or later you'll be looking at the sea, going, "I could be out sailing over that sea again." <laughs> and we're the yeah. same. Like yeah. we'll need a break from the van sometimes, but then we'll be like, "Oh, but you know, there is so much left to explore." And it's almost like it's hard to imagine it ever ending the need to explore and the need to travel especially once you've got a home and a base to kind of travel from like a boat or a van um i don't really know where i'm getting with this i guess the question <laughs> is do you have any plans to stop or is it something you envisage yourself doing forever because it's something that tanya and i go back and forth with all the time and i think we always and we've said this a hundred times on the podcast we always want van life and travel to be a part of our lives but we don't think we can imagine ourselves doing it full time for the rest of our lives and I want I, but then again I don't know how we'll stop and I wonder if you guys speak about that yeah yeah I, I mean, mean we, we've been thinking about that a lot lately and like yeah. like Karen said a little while ago is we've always kind of been looking for what we wanted to call like our compound like someplace where we could have like the opposite of the boat which would be a lot of space and staying in one place and like you know a, a place to set up our stuff and you know I want yeah. like I like to work on things, so I'd like to have like a garage or a mechanic shop or something like that. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, we've we've really talked a lot about taking like traveling for part of the year. I don't know if it's six months, nine months, three months, whatever it could be, and then the other part of the year, kind of having a a home base. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, we've actually started renovating a house in Sweden on Karen's mom's property. Oh, wow! Uh, and that's kind of our. Our plan is we'll we'll be able to spend some time there because uh, Sierra was born in Sweden, and so it's very important for us that she speaks fluent Swedish and that she she, you know, is brought up in that environment and and knows what it's like. Yeah, um, and having like there too, like I think with Sierra, I mean my kind of feelings towards like family and familiarity when it comes to like a house or a place where we can stay for a while like it it means a lot more in a certain way to anyways like it's yeah. like as a grown-up like I can talk to mom on the phone and but I really want Sierra to like have a relationship with my family and with Brian's family and that she knows them and stuff like that so yeah. that's changed a lot too and I think just having like a place where we can come home to and that is ours and that we can kind of keep some of our things and stuff. I think it's going mean, to... The other thing is because I have a US passport and Karen has an EU passport, then most of the time, with a very few exceptions, the longest we can ever stay in one country together is three months. And so for the last 12 some odd years, the longest that we've stayed in any one country 
in any one place has been six months. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And so after that much moving over time, you're like, well, what would it be like to spend an entire year in one place and see the change of the seasons or see summer and see winter or, yeah. you know, just just different. Um, so who knows? Maybe. <laughs> but this is also our business so this is how we make money yeah. to live and so you know our whole youtube channel and everything we do is mm -hmm. sort of developed around traveling and sailing around and yeah if we're not doing that then what know, do we do you know do, how do we make it's just <laughs> i guess people make youtube videos from the same place but i think our genre is more like well we're traveling we're going we're sailing and this is how we do it and so it'd be hard for us to kind of make that pivot yeah. i think but also thinking about sailing around in the full time making videos about it in like another 10 years like i don't know <laughs> that seems crazy as well yeah it all seems crazy <laughs> so listening to your story it's it's really inspirational what you've achieved um especially brian you've sailed all the way around the globe which is something i know uh fewer people have done that than climbed mount everest which wow. is in a hell of an achievement yeah i was surprised to learn that too <laughs> it, it's crazy and uh, we watched the video actually of you celebrating that whilst you you went across the imaginary line and you were you were absolutely speechless as i can imagine like you really did seem speechless you you said about five times i don't know what to say <laughs> i'm wondering if you've now found the words to kind of sum it up what it means to you to have done that it's not entirely i mean honestly like when it when it comes down to it i just feel like so grateful that i've had the opportunity to do this and i think that really i've i've lived more in the last few years than most people have the opportunity to live in their entire lives and just mm -hmm. not just in going out and sailing around and having a freer lifestyle but also in the relationships that i've made and the friendships that i've made and knowing that i can probably go certainly to most countries in the world where we've been and have like a really good friend that we can that we can stay with and that would take us in as part of their family and that that really speaks a lot to me um, that we've we've left a clean wake behind us, so to speak, and uh, yeah, we've just met a ton of good people and and had a heck of a time, a heck of a time doing it, and uh, just kind of want to go again. That's pretty much the summary. <laughs> so it, it, when you listen to the sailing around the world and the fact that you know fewer people have done that than climbing Mount Everest, it sounds like something for anybody listening. It sounds like something that's really inspirational and that people would love to do, but it also sounds very unattainable. Like, what would you say, what advice would you give to anyone listening who would like to not necessarily sail all the way around the world, but maybe do full-time boat life or at least try their hand at full-time boat life? Is there anything, because, uh, you know, I'm sure you won't take insult to saying that before you did this, I mean, you still are, of course, you're just a normal guy. You're just a normal guy. You're an engineer. Um, and now you've gone and sailed around the world. So it's possible. I guess if you can do it, then other people can do it. What would you what would you say to them? I would say that the key aspect is time and not trying to sail to a tight schedule, because if you try and sail to a tight schedule, then you are going to run into problems with weather. And so that's that's the big issue is I think a lot of people think that, yeah, I'm going to go out and I'm going to leave on this date and we're going to arrive on this date and we're going to make it around the world in, you know, one and a half years or two years or something, which is 
incredibly quick. And I would say like whatever time you think it's going to take, you probably double that at a minimum to start it out with. And once you get okay with that kind of flexibility and that sort of freedom in your scheduling, then things and everything's going to get a lot easier for you. Hi, Sierra. So Sierra is joining us for the remainder of the podcast. So welcome, Sierra. You might hear her in the background. Now, stories from the sea. I love this topic. So to kick it off, let's start with your favorite countries that you've sailed to. Wow. So I think we have, we, we do have a kind of a top five little list that we, and I think both mine and Brian's are very similar. Um, and I, I would go with my first one. I would say today is probably the Philippines. Oh, Philippines. Yeah, the Philippines, Philippines is a good was one. very, very special to me. And it was also where kind of for the first time it ended up being only me and Brian on the boat for about a year mm -hmm. and everybody left. And I just learned so much in that year. My learning curve just like shot to the roof because I needed to drive the boat by myself and anchor it while Brian was in the dinghy in front, like navigating. And, you know, it was just so crazy and I learned so much. So I think that for me was a very, very special time. Yeah. Okay. So you took Philippines. I'm going to yeah. throw, uh, I'm going to throw New Zealand in there. Yeah. New Zealand is just, it's like the, it's basically the place that I wanted to sail to when I thought about leaving Seattle. It's like, I'm going to sail to New Zealand. I'm going to get into the pub when we get there. And I'm going to tell people of my stories of crossing the high seas. And that's kind of like, that's really how it's like. It's, it's an amazing destination. And once you get there, there's great sailing and there's like hiking and there's glaciers um, and there's surfing and there's fishing and there's just good people. And after spending you know, like a year or so seeing nothing but islands, honestly, like a little bit of difference of seeing some topography and some mountains and, and a cooler climate is, is like really exciting. Um, what's your third one? Uh, that would probably be South Africa. Oh, South Africa. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. South Africa was very, very special to me too. We actually ended up going back we ended up going there twice because we went back to the Indian Ocean a second lap and we created some really, really good friendships there. Um, and I think part of the reason was because English, you know, you can speak the language so you can really kind of like mm -hmm. get to know people on a very deep level. And it, it's a very, very cool country. Um, the so sailing is wicked, though. Yeah, the sailing is absolutely nuts. But it's like the, always sailing in the a storm. The land is nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, I'm gonna throw Madagascar in there for yes. number four. Uh, Madagascar. Ooh, nice. That's where you just... nearly had your dinghy stolen, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. That was an isolated incident. You know, it's just <laughs> it's such a friendly place, and the people are so nice, and they're so caring and giving. Uh, the food is incredible. It's it's bizarrely cheap uh, to travel there. Um, the sailing is good. The weather is beautiful. And so, yeah, it's got a lot of pluses. It's plus it's Madagascar. It's, it's unlike any place else in the world, really. Mm. I mean, just the animal life and the way the, the land is and um, lemurs and very unique. Yeah, it's yeah. very unique. Yeah. What's your last one? My last one. Oh, wow. 
Well, the last one is kind of recent. I would say that we had a wicked time in the Sun Blast Islands in uh, Panama. Oh, Panama, yes. Yeah, that was a very special time for me because it's like with Sierra sometimes moving around a lot, you know, we're always looking for those places where she can like stretch her legs or like we're always like where is the beach and i'm like always when we come into an anchors i'm like where is the beach is there no beach i can't do it <laughs> so for me that to just have like crystal clear water and like islands with white sand the, and a good breeze when you think of like the paradise island that's you can walk around in three minutes and has you know beautiful beaches clear water swaying palm trees a lot of fish that's that's pretty much the song loss no people yeah uh it's amazing i thought you were gonna say brazil oh yeah brazil is up there too yeah yeah we have so many, so many. we can't just continue doing this <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> oh wow those places sound absolutely amazing yes yeah, so many amazing places you know when you've been talking about your travel you you've also talked a lot about the fact that the people that you meet along the way, as well as the relationships that you have formed throughout these years of travel, have really added that colour and depth to, to these travel memories. And of course, you've welcomed more than 70 crew members aboard Delos. And I'm really curious, like, how do you choose the people that become your crew member? What's like the recruitment process? Because you're out <laughs> at sea. Um, very close quarters you're now living with these people full time and depending on each other for your safety as well exactly yeah, and it exactly. just feels like this isn't just it's not a, just hanging out for a week exactly it's a, it's a big commitment so how do you pick the people how does it work how i i just i mean i've yeah. just never come across anything like this before <laughs> Yeah, but almost I kind of it's think about it as like, years, it would almost be like you invite somebody to your house to live with you and then also come to work with you to your <laughs> office and like somebody yeah. that you don't know. It's, it's, it's super random, but I also feel like, yeah, like Brian just said, it's, it's definitely changed over the years and it's really happened, like, I think, through every possible way almost. When we first started doing it, we did it almost like a, ba a backpacker boat, right? And so we met cool people, wherever we were, we said, oh, you're a lot of fun. Why don't you come sailing with us? You have to pay $125 a week and that'll give you a place to sleep and three meals a day and we'll take you to the next place, whatever. Uh, and we sort of did that because, well, we were broke and we needed money to pay for diesel fuel and to help buy food and pay port fees and all that stuff. Uh, and we actually ended up meeting a lot of people that way. Yeah. Um, and then friends, a lot of friends and have was come out. Friends you know? and family. Friends and family. Karen's that, moms come out quite a bit. Yeah. When Frida and Max that sailed with us across the Indian Ocean, you know, they were my friends. And uh, like, I think that's also something. But also when we started making the videos, we have also invited people through the video. So we had like the contest. Yeah, we did this contest in South Africa that was like, who wants to be a pirate? <laughs> and then you had to make a, a 60 second video and send it to us. And we just basically picked people that we thought made the coolest, most creative video. We picked four, four people like that. So cool. Um, and that's how we actually met our friend Lisa. And we met Kirill and Dylan. Carmen. Carmen. Cheyenne and Greg. Yeah. And the reason why that was cool is because, you know, for most of this trip, and I haven't really talked about it yet, but my brother 
sailed with me and he left when Sierra was born because he was ready to go do his own thing after like, you know, a number of years sailing together and he wanted to go start his own business. And we we're like, okay, it's a good time for you to go do your thing and me to go do ours. But, you know, for, it was the, always the core was myself, Karen and Brady. And because of that, we always had like three super strong, super confident people on the boat. And so if we brought another, you know, one or two people on board, then it's almost like you have three teachers and two students, which is a pretty good ratio. And so mm -hmm. from that perspective, it was it was quite easy to like if like Karen and I would have a harder time just bringing two kind of newbies on board that didn't really know the ropes because then it takes a lot to teach and a lot a lot of things like yeah that. especially with sierra now because like one of us is always yeah. kind of like out of the game with her you know like yeah. one of us have to take care of her and one person has to be in charge of the boat so it's like i think it's now we're we we kind of have to know the people beforehand no, we have to know that friends they, yeah like people we have that we've sailed with in the past trust them we have to like know that they don't get seasick because if one of them is out and i have to take care of a seasick person and sierra it just creates a lot of stress on on us so mm -hmm. i think it, it's definitely changed a little bit but it's been great we met some very very cool people and we yeah. haven't really had any bad experiences which is absolutely crazy <laughs> yeah i mean i can count the the weird experiences on one hand over. yeah and not even that bad you know no. it's just like maybe it didn't work out as we thought or also for them we, as well, we've right? done a really good job of setting expectations so when somebody comes on the boat the first thing i tell them is this is not a charter you are not a guest you're a crew member on this boat which means <laughs> you're going to do the same work we do you're going to cook you're going to clean you're going to do your own watch if you don't know how to do something we're going to teach you um but you have to learn and you have to pull your own weight. And uh, I think if you set those expectations up front that you're not, this is not a holiday for you. And we're not just going to be driving you around to like go from beach to beach. Like yeah. it's going to be hardcore and you're going to do everything we do. Then people are like, oh, wow. Okay. And they come into it with kind of the right frame of mind. Yeah. As you're saying that, Tanya is mouthing at me going, that's me. That's me. I want to do that. I want to do well, that. Because, <laughs> because it's so it's so funny because kudos to my mom, because the way that she raised me um, is something that Adam has highlighted to me um, quite recently, that whenever I go to people's homes and that, you know, we were guests, it's very clear that we are not just guests, like we are there to help cook, we're there to clean, you know, it's like that we we never want to be a burden uh, on other people. So when you're saying like, well, you come on the boat and you're, you know, you're part of the crew and you're cooking and cleaning, I'm like, I will clean that toilet. I will have my hand <laughs> down that toilet. Yeah. It will, you know, I will get poop on my hands. That is fine by me. <laughs> There's a pretty good chance of that if you come on Delos, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I love that idea of um, of mixing adventure and just learning a new skill. And, and everyone mucking in and being yes. a team. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, when, you know, I mean, not, not not every end of the day would look like this, but for the days that end up with a beer in hand at the sunset and everyone's just exhausted, but feeling accomplished, oh, it just, uh, I can imagine that is an incredibly rewarding feeling. It is. And it's a it's it's a real bonding experience. Yeah. So talking talking of beer in hand there, um, 
obviously tiny living, van life, boat life, uh, quite often come with a lot of sacrifices and people will spend a lot of time considering what's important to them when choosing how to use their space wisely. And you have somehow managed to fit a mini brewery into your boat. So that says a lot about your priorities. <laughs> we have two actually, yeah. Two? Yeah. Can you talk us through how that works? So, you know, we were in Australia and this is back when we were just, yeah, still skimping by. Uh, and we had, was it seven people on board or six? No, six. Six people on board. And rum in Australia was super expensive. It was about $70 US for a 700 mil bottle. Oof. And I looked and there, you couldn't buy liquor where we were going in Indonesia because it was illegal. You can't buy it, uh, but you can take it in with you. And so I looked at the price that it would take to supply six people for three months with rum. And it was like thousands <laughs> of dollars. And I was like, there's no oh. way. And wow. so I ran across this. Uh, little shop in a pl in Cairns, uh, which is kind of a backpacker place in Queensland, Australia. And there is this pretty, I think she was drunk, I'm not really sure, lady that said, hey, you know what? I sell these brewing kits and they're legal here because in Australia, it's legal to brew your own alcohol as long as it's for personal consumption. And so for about $400, I bought uh, the still and the yeast and all the everything else we needed to make like, what was it? Like 60 liters of rum or something like that. It was, it was, wow. it was great. Uh, and, uh, and we're still doing it to this day. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's a cool hobby. It's creative. And, you know, when we, when we go to some place like Madagascar, we can make, you know, Madagascar infused vanilla vodka. And oh we God. just, we kind of had fun with local ingredients. And, uh, I like to make kind of like a, a whiskey kind of moonshine situation. The gin turns out pretty good. Um, mm. And we, we literally can do it off solar power uh, and water that we make from our desalinator. And then we have yeast on board to, to make the wash. And um, yeah, we get some good stuff out of it. That is brilliant. That is real luxury <laughs> living. A, yeah. so, that is so cool. And if you ever wanted to diversify and just, you know, yeah. as well as well as the merch that you have, <laughs> later down the line, I can see it now. Your, you, you know, your own SV Dallas. Um, whole uh, range of alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> moonshine. Aisles. Yeah. Yes. Made, with, made with diesel fuel and sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that, Obviously, you guys would take for granted living on a boat. You, it's your day to day. Is how you, you know, you deal with water and uh, electricity and all of these resources that most people, you know, you're you're on the grid. And uh, I've heard you speaking about it before that there's a team of people making sure you have electricity that comes to your house. There's a team of other people who make sure you've got running water at your taps. But you on your boat, you have to do all of that yourself. So I'm just wondering if you can talk through for people who would be very interested to hear just the basics of how you manage your resources on board Delos. Yeah, sure. Well, I guess if you think about it, um, everything that you do in a house, we do on the boat just on a different scale. So, you know, if you think about your house, you have electricity from the grid or from the main supply, you have water uh, coming into the house from the city supply, or maybe you have a water tank. Um, and then, you know, you have people that are taking your trash away, picking it up. You have sewage mm. that comes out of the house and goes to the city supply. So we don't have any of these connections to anything on Delos. Um, when we typically leave, we like to have enough food and diesel fuel and provisions 
to go from anywhere from three to six months is typically our target. Um, and we get most of our power from solar and wind. So we have uh, about 1500 watts of solar panels and that provides, uh, yeah, we're, we're about to have 1800 watts, which I'm really excited about after we put wow. another panel up. Can't fit that on a van. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, well, we have our deck space and we have our arch on the back and we have a very big uh, lithium battery bank. Uh, to, to hold all that solar power. We have six kilowatts of inverters. Uh, all of our, one of the things that we did is we got rid of propane. And so we no longer have any propane. All of our cooking is with an induction hob and a uh, electric convection oven and a hot water kettle. And that actually reduced or increased our range greatly because before we would always, you know, when we had like our English friend Elizabeth on board, I'm like, Elizabeth, we have to limit you to 12 cups of tea a day because if you make more than 12 <laughs> cups of tea, you're going to use all the propane in boiling water. As an Englishman, that wouldn't work. I Just know, that right? <laughs> and Karen loves tea too. And so now people are making like 20 cups of tea a day and yeah, it's, it's getting out of control. But now, since it's all electric, it's not a problem. So yeah, we make our own electricity with the solar. We have two wind turbines. Each of the wind turbines are rated at uh, 400 watts each. And so when we're in the trade winds, we get a lot of power from that. Uh, we have a desalinator. And so the desalinator turns seawater into fresh water uh, via reverse osmosis. And we can make approximately uh, 160 to 180 liters an hour. And we have a thousand liter tank. Uh, and with, you know, even with five or six people on board, we can, we're using 100 or 120 liters of water, of fresh water per day. Um, and so, you know, we can literally run, run the water desalinator for two hours, three hours a week. Uh, and that covers all of our needs there. Um, we have, uh, uh, two two toilets. Yeah, you know, we have two showers, two heads, two toilets on the boat, um, and those uh, basically have two holding tanks. And if we're close to a port, then those holding tanks can get pumped out through the deck. Uh, if we're out mm -hmm. at sea, uh, more than three miles from the coast, then they just get dumped. And that's kind of like the the dirty truth about sewage on a boat is uh, <laughs> it just it just goes out and you know. Solution is the solution to pollution and uh, all that stuff. Um, what else I miss? Uh, I think what's important too, what I think is really interesting with these systems is that like, because you don't have anybody to help you, you know, if you live in a house and a pipe bursts, you call the plumber, like, well, uh, you know, you on the boat have to be the plumber, the electrician, the, you know, everything yeah, possible you have there. to have skills and spare parts for yeah so i think that's the thing too like a lot of the places where we're at you can't pop into any kind of store um to get any spare parts or anything so you you have to be very very knowledgeable and i think you kind of have to like it in some way right you have to be a you have to view it as a fun challenge rather than Oh great! I get to fix the toilet again today. Or, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's actually Dallas is very comfortable. You know, we have we can sleep uh, six people uh, pretty comfortably. Uh, like I said, we have two showers, two heads. We have uh, two big freezers and one fridge, so we can store quite a bit of food. Uh, we have a lot of storage for canned goods. Um, 
we have enough diesel fuel to last us for three to six months. And uh, I mean, we have a, a washing machine uh, for clothes. We have a dishwasher, although we never use the dishwasher because yeah. uh, it's just silly. Um, and yeah, satellite internet. So it's set up. She set up pretty. We have a dive compressor so we can fill our own dive tanks. And we have two stills, so we can we can make our own alcohol. Yeah, I mean, it really does sound like a luxury home. One of the best things for us about living in a van is the feeling you get when you've found your park up, you've got all the resources you need, you're completely off-grid, and you're just in this place that you've pretty much got to yourself. I'm wondering if you could just describe the feeling of finding the perfect, what is it, anchorage? Where you drop the anchor? I don't know what the terminology is. We Park, yeah. park up in van life. Anchorage. Anchorage. So if you could just describe the feeling you get when you find like the perfect anchorage. What is, is there a perfect anchorage? Is what, there a perfect anchorage or your favourite anchorage or something? Is there a perfect anchorage? Well, there's an ideal anchorage. I guess nothing's ever truly perfect. I, I guess the... Well, my my favorite feeling, actually, though, I'm sort of going to answer this different way because it kind of connects to what you said before. But like when we get uh, all full of fuel, full of food, provisions, like the to do list is checked off. We've cleared out of customs and immigration. Literally, we're in this gray area between countries. That's my favorite time because Mm. the boat is ready you're checked out of the country that you're about ready to leave, and you can literally go anywhere that you want. Um, and that's my favorite feeling is just that that area of knowing that, hey, I'm actually like not registered to any country right now. I don't have anybody's stamp in my passport telling me that I need to stay here or when I need to leave or anything. I'm, that's a lot of freedom. Um, and then, yeah, you arrive in, in some place that you yeah. know is hopefully calm. And so the ideal anchorage would be for me, uh, clear water, uh, nice, nice beach, uh, protection for the boat. So it's not rolling, uh, a little bit of wind to keep things cool and, uh, some sort of activity. Like, you know, we, we have a lot of hobbies. I like to kiteboard. Uh, we like to snorkel. We love to scuba dive. Um, we like to paddleboard. We like to wake, wakeboard. We're in a lot of board sports. Yeah. <laughs> so like something for us to play. Like in one of those yeah. areas, and no bugs, and no bugs. <laughs> oh, it's a horrible bugs. Oh yeah, like, and good and good weather. <laughs> There's like so many things. So, it sounds so like it needs to be this, this, and not that many people. <laughs> so yeah, we, we we agree. Those are our our qualifying. Like be in nature, be left alone, be calm, be chill. Yeah. But uh, that feeling when you find even a few of those qualities in an anchorage, I think for me, is just like so incredibly like freeing and calming like then you can you you know just relax like you maybe mm-hmm. move the boat you come from a passage when you've been awake you know parts of the night or all night and you know sierra is antsy because she hasn't been off the boat for a while and like she's just keen to do something climbing on the walls <laughs> and yeah. It's just so cool when you drop the hook and you're like, you know what? Let's just pack a little bag and go into the beach and uh, just like chill, I think. Or swim off the boat. You know, yeah, we love swimming jump off, off the, the boat. Back. I usually have a, like a quadruple rum and coke no, just, <laughs> just to settle myself <laughs> into the anchorage. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very special. I mean, those are the moments you live for, right? That's why we do this. Yeah. 
So if there is anybody listening who isn't following your journey already, where do they go to follow along? Oh, well, you can just, the, our tag is SV Delos, and that just stands for like sailing vessel, SV Delos, like the Greek island, D-E-L-O-S. And we're on YouTube uh, and Instagram and Facebook and Patreon. You can just type in SV Delos into Google yeah. and all our stuff will pop up. <laughs> yeah. Top of the pile. Great. Well, uh, thank you guys so, so much for your time. It has been such a pleasure to talk to you. And before you go, we've just got one last question for you. Yeah. So on the podcast, we have a closing tradition whereby we ask our guests to come up with one secret emoji. It could be any emoji that people can can add. And as long as it hasn't been used before. As long as yeah, well, and we'll tell you. And basically, it means that those that have gotten this far into the conversation will be able to DM you and us just with the emoji. They could just send you the emoji, or it could be also maybe with a with a few sentences or a paragraph of what resonated with them from this conversation. And that way, you know where they came from, and you know that they're very committed and that the, you know they're 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 true troopers. I always I always use the little sailboat one. Is that lame? I think that has... Has that been used? No. It hasn't? No. There you go. You can have the sailboat emoji. That is your yeah. emoji. Can, can we take the little sailboat? That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense because we're sailing around on a boat. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. So there you go, guys. If you're listening to this and you want to ex- extend the conversation with us or with them, then it's the sailboat emoji. Aww. Thank you so much, guys. Our pleasure. Thank you. Bon voyage. Bon voyage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was great chatting with you guys. A lot of fun. It Bye. was so great. Very inspirational. Thank you very much. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast or have found it helpful in any way and can think of someone else who would appreciate it too, then please do share it with them. Not only does it help get our podcast out to more people, but you never know that someone might need to hear this conversation. Other ways to support the podcast are in the show notes. This podcast isn't sponsored, so anything you can do to help it grow helps us continue to have conversations just like this one with fantastic guests.